After being a massive topic of conversation in Gamecock Nation for the last few days, Jaheim Bell talked with the media on Tuesday afternoon regarding what all has happened to him this season. We're going to dive into his comments and more today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecocks sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily, and we've got a lot to dive into on today's edition of Locked On Gamecocks. We're going to talk about what Vanderbilt brings to the field offensively from both a play calling and a personnel standpoint and how the Gamecocks could go about attacking them on Saturday night. We're also going to discuss a current NFL player who's a former Gamecock that was traded quite literally at the 11th hour of the NFL trade deadline on Tuesday afternoon. But before we get into all of that... We're going to talk about the elephant in the room. The biggest topic of discussion amongst Game Cognition, maybe outside of Marcus Satterfield, and the potential for him to stick around or maybe not stick around with the program after the season, and that is Jakeem Bell. Now, obviously... As y'all know at this point, Jaheim Bell is a star tight end for the Gamecocks that had a lot of hype coming into this season. There was a lot of people that had set expectations on him to blow up this year. And to the point where some outlets projected Jaheim Bell to be a potential first round draft pick this next April in the NFL draft. Obviously, this season has probably not gone the way that Jaheim Bell envisioned it going. He has not gotten a whole lot of touches. He has not seen as much playing time as many people believe he should have seen up to this point. And it all culminated this past Saturday against the Missouri Tigers, where Jaheim Bell got zero touches. And I believe only saw, based on what some websites are saying, around 9 to 12 snaps in the game. For some people, that's clearly not enough for Jaheim Bell. And Jaheim Bell was actually allowed to speak to the media on Tuesday afternoon. And as you can imagine, the media members all wanted to know what this season has been like for him, what his frustrations have been. And Jaheim Bell addressed all of that in his press conference. So what I'm going to do real quickly for all of you to provide some context into his answers. I'm going to play clips in succession on how he talked about the conversations he has with the coaches during the week, how frustrating the season has been in terms of him not consistently seeing the field, and why he hasn't seen the field as much. So let's go ahead and give a listen to some of the comments Shaheen Bell had on Tuesday afternoon. 
talking with the coaches, have they told you anything about saying you got to do this to get on the field more? How do those conversations go when uh, they say, here's what we want to do to get you on the field? Uh, I mean, those conversations through the week are uh, just pretty much just telling me uh, just do everything right on the field, and that's what I do. I, I do whatever they ask me to do, and uh, that's pretty much it. I just uh, prepare like a pro during the week. Jaheim just kind of sticking with it. How frustrating has that been to kind of have some inconsistency with snaps and, and playing time? And, and how do you balance that frustration throughout the week and throughout the season? Uh, it's very frustrating um, going through the week knowing that you're going to get the ball and um, and it doesn't happen. Um, it, it's kind of frustrating, but uh, I kind of try to let that go after, uh, after that Sunday and Monday and try to come in the building today on Tuesday and just be positive and prepare like a pro. Jim, if the coaches talk to you at all about a reason why they're rotating you off so much, like, is that just personnel packages? Like, what? why are they keeping you off the field so much if they told you that? Um, some might be a personnel issue, but I feel like I can be, that, um, I can be any person in, um, and be a dynamic player, any personnel, but uh, it, it's not really a conversation of why I'm not out there. It just, it just happened. But most of it's just a personnel issue. Now, of course, regarding the fact that Jaheim mentioned that he is not seeing the field as much because of the emphasis on having different personnel groupings going out there in the Gamecocks offense, Shane Beamer was asked about that comment in his press conference that took place later in the day, and he led all this into a statement regarding how he feels about getting his best players out there on the field versus having different personnel groupings based on what the opposing defense is doing. So here's both clips on what Shane Bimmer had to say regarding both of those answers. Shane Jaheim was saying that some of the reason he hasn't been on the field as much is what's been personnel and kind of what you guys are doing. I guess just to clarify, I guess, what does that kind of mean on your guys' end as far as it's a quote-unquote personnel thing, I guess. What does that kind of mean in terms of why he maybe isn't getting as many on the field as much? To me, it's uh, – and I'll, and I'll say this. Jaheim needs to be on the field more than what he was the other night. I met with Jaheim on Sunday. We had a great 30-minute conversation downstairs, and and I told him that. And that's on me. I'm the head coach. Um, so he absolutely needs to be on the field. We want to get our best players on the field. And sometimes you just say forget what personnel grouping it is and what coverage you're expecting. We need to get this guy, this guy, this guy on the field and get them the ball. And and we do that every week. We haven't done a good enough job of it. All right, so that's what Jaheim Bell and Shane Beamer had to say regarding the entire situation on Tuesday afternoon. Now, when looking at this entire scenario, we got to break this down into, obviously, why Jaheim Bell was allowed to talk to the media in the first place, the responses that he had, and what Shane Beamer's comments were on Jaheim's responses. So, to summarize all this up, I think that it's very telling that Jaheim Bell was allowed to talk to the media on Tuesday, because for most college football coaches, if there's any situation like this that takes place on their football team, the last thing that most coaches are going to do is put said player in front of an open mic with a bunch of media members who can fire questions at him regarding what all is happening with their playing time. Maybe why they're not getting as many touches in this case in a football game. And yet, despite that, Coach Beamer allowed Jaheim Bell to go and speak to the media, which tells me a couple of things. One, it tells me that Shane Beamer, it seems like, is really taking ownership with how this entire situation has played out. And it's essentially, this is his way of saying, hey, look, man, it's my bad, okay? 
you absolutely deserve to be getting the football more. We have got to find a way to get you more involved. And I want you to have a chance to have a platform and speak your opinion on the entire position. At the same time, I still want you to go out there and, you know, be a good ambassador for the football program, not throw anybody under the bus, because you can tell based on Jaheim's answers that it is clear. He is frustrated about the entire situation, and he's got good reason to be. But he didn't throw anyone under the bus. He talked about treating everything like a pro. And Jaheen did just that with the way he responded to those questions. With Shane Beamer's answer, I obviously took a couple pieces from what was a very long-winded answer that he gave in the press conference. But from what Shane Beamer said, again, it's clear that he's acknowledging that this is indeed a significant problem. I'm not going to say that means that in the Vanderbilt game now, Jaheem's going to play every single snap. He's going to get like 15 targets and get 12 receptions. I'm not going to sit here and say that whatsoever. Of course, we don't know what their game plan is going to be heading into the Vanderbilt game, but it does seem like that Coach Beamer is realizing, you know, getting your playmakers involved is more important than the scheme itself. The players should be what bases your scheme, not the scheme basing what the players should do. Obviously, there's a time and a place for that to happen, but when you got this much talent like South Carolina does on the offensive side of the ball, Again, as I mentioned before, your best talent should not be sacrificed for the scheme. So I wanted to just play all those clips for y'all because I thought that that was very interesting and very telling how all of this has unfolded. And if you're a Gamecock fan, I think that you should take this all as a good sign at least for now. Of course, we will see how things continue to unfold as the Gamecocks go through the final stretch of the regular season. Now... In just a few moments, I'm going to talk about Vanderbilt's offense and whether or not they actually have someone who could pose a significant challenge to the Gamecocks secondary. I quite frankly think that the Commodores definitely do have a player that fits that billing. But before we get into all that, let's say you've decided that you want to start your own local chain of gas stations because you're sick and tired of seeing all of these people having to pay so much money at the gas pump. You've got deals with oil companies that are lined up. You've got locations that are lined up. But you still need people that you can rely on in order to run the convenience store portion of the gas station the way that you want them to, which can make the hiring process feel like a high-stakes wager because of how important it is to protect gas that everyday Americans need and also because you want access to the best qualified candidates that are available. And there's an easy way to get around this conundrum, and that's by using LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a job post in just minutes to reach both your own personal network and the worldwide professional network that consists of over 800 million people. People, a lot of options to choose from in that regard. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps to find the right people that fit the job description to a T using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate the right team member to help you finish out the year strong. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in their industry. LinkedIn Jobs, again, helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn? Why sit on the sidelines and let all these other job posts get filled up with these candidates? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. 
Terms and conditions still apply. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, so let's move on now to the Gamecocks' upcoming opponent in the Vanderbilt Commodores. On yesterday's show, I talked about what the Commodores are going to be bringing on the defensive side of the field. Now, on today's show, we're going to talk about what the Commodores are bringing offensively. Now, in terms of what Vanderbilt's offense looks to do in a football game, Vanderbilt's offense, to sum things up, is a slow pace huddle up offense that wants to build off of the ground game. They will run some duo and inside zone concepts in the running game. Duo concepts basically mean that it prioritizes double team blocks on the interior offensive line and trying to get one of those O-linemen to work their way up to the second level in order to block some linebackers so that the running back, if they run up the middle, has a chance to get some space. And then, of course, zone blocking, again, just blocking off an area, trying to open up a lane for a running back to choose from. And in my opinion, the Commodore's offensive line looks a little bit better in terms of zone blocking. Vanderbilt will also motion wide receivers into the box to be extra blockers, especially behind two tight ends when the Commodores run twin tight end sets. And they almost always, and I mean always, run the ball in that scenario. Again, especially when that wide receiver goes behind two tight ends in their formation. Now, They love these two tight end sets. They'll run this out of the shotgun and the pistol formation, and they will mix up where the run goes. Of course, again, they will run where all the numbers are on the line of scrimmage, but they will also sometimes run to the weak side to see if your defense is keying in on that side with all those tight ends and the motion wide receiver. So if you're South Carolina, you need to be careful trying to just explode through gaps to try and blow up Vanderbilt's run game. And you got to keep a watchful eye on where Vanderbilt's tight ends are lining up in their formation. That's, so that's going to be a big key there for Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson in that second level. Now, Vanderbilt's offense will also use some motion. Wide receiver Jaden McGowan is going to be the main proponent of this part of their offense. He is a speedster from Lawrence, South Carolina, by the way, who is utilized in a lot of jet motions, sometimes as eye candy, but other times they will hand off the football to him in like a quick touch pass jet sweep play. And Jay McGowan brings a lot of speed and acceleration to the football field. He's probably one of the fastest players in the entire SEC. So if you let him get too much green grass in front of him, he is a threat to take a carry or a pass all the way to the end zone for six on any given play. So obviously, when you're dealing with a player like that, it's going to keep the defense on their toes. They will also motion wide receiver Will Shepard, who is the star player of this offense, into a stack set in the shotgun formation where he lines up basically behind another wide receiver, the slot wide receiver on his side of the field in order to try to create a little bit of a situation for the opposing secondary in terms of how they're going to play him. So in this case, South Carolina's defense, the linebackers in particular, they're going to need to watch Jaden McGowan especially 
And in my eyes, that could be a recipe for some explosive plays for the Commodores, especially after probably watching all of the Missouri film from this past weekend. And the Will Shepard motion, I will say this, Vanderbilt does run that motion in one particular formation out of the shotgun. So for that reason, Clay White just might need to call a little bit more soft zone coverage in the underneath area of the field whenever that formation is brought out just in case that motion is used in order to try to get Will Shepard some space. Now, the Commodores will also involve some of the option concepts in this offense. They will run some run pass options, and a lot of these RPOs are going to be catered to trying to get Will Shepard the football. You will see this a lot on Saturday night. Maybe just some quick little comebacks, maybe some back shoulder throws from A.J. Swan to Shepard, or just some quick, easy, one-cut slant routes. They will try to find different ways to get Shepard the ball off of these kind of plays. Vanderbilt will also insert quarterback and running threat Mike Wright at times into the game and run some read option to try to catch a defense off guard, the defensive ends in particular. So if you're South Carolina, the defensive backs and defensive ends are going to have to be sure to read their keys based on what Vanderbilt does. Shepard, again, can kill the secondary on some RPOs, I don't think, though, that any other Vanderbilt wideout is a serious threat in that regard. Maybe besides McGowan on a quick little RPO screen type pass concept. So I think that that is what South Carolina is going to need to do in order to try to neutralize the option game for the Commodores. Now, some other quick notes on the Commodores in terms of their play calling and their tendencies. They do have a split back set out of the shotgun formation they like to run at times where they will hand off the ball more often than not to starting running back Ray Davis and have an extra H back in there again to be an extra blocker in the box. They also do like to run some wide and tightly aligned bunch sets out of the shotgun formation. Again, bunch sets can be really difficult for defenses to have to defend because, of course, it means that you pretty much you can't run all man coverage, but you also don't want to run all zone coverage in case one of those three players in that bunch set just runs a little short flat route or maybe just a quick little hitch route. So it makes it very hard for the defense in order to try to cover all three guys because they kind of intentionally have to sit back and sort of read everything in just a couple seconds to see what it is they've got to do. Vanderbilt will try to take advantage of that. They will also use some short and deep spacing route concepts out of the shotgun type punch set, which, again, basically spacing means you're going to run to a particular area and you're going to look for open space, open grass, where there won't be a defender right on your back trying to bat a ball down. And once you find that space, that receiving target is going to flip their hips, turn around real fast, and if the quarterback sees them quick enough, that'll be turning around and the ball will be coming right to them. Vanderbilt will use this a lot in their passing game which is mainly a short passing game in order to try to basically just methodically drive their way down the field now in terms of execution quarterback AJ Swan he is the starter now for the Commodores and there's good reason why AJ Swan is a solid thrower of the football when he is on the run and when he is under pressure he has a little bit of a clutch gene in my eyes at least in terms of trying to extend drives on some pivotal second and third down plays he showcased that ability a lot in the Ole Miss game the game I watched back in order to take all of these notes he also can throw the football well outside of the numbers there is one negative that I spotted with A.J. Swan from the Ole Miss game that I watched back, and that is the fact that, you know, for obvious reasons, he will stare down wide receiver Will Shepard a lot to try to get him the football. So for South Carolina secondary, if you are looking 
to try and maybe get some turnovers on Saturday night, that might be the best way to do that. And when going to the running back position, you got Ray Davis, who I mentioned earlier. He does a really good job of seeing the hole that he should run through more often than not. And he runs like a tank for his 5'9", 205-pound stature. He is, pound for pound, a very strong guy with a low center of gravity. So, Gamecock defenders are going to have to bring it in terms of their fundamentals when they are trying to tackle Ray Davis. He can also catch passes out of the backfield as well. It's not going to be like every other play, but he can catch some swing passes or some flat route passes in order to try to bail out A.J. Swan if there's some immediate pressure in the offensive backfield. Another thing about this Vanderbilt offense, like I mentioned earlier, they're going to get their tight ends involved in the running game and sometimes the passing game as well. Tight ends Ben Brezhnehan and Justin Ball are both really solid blocking tight ends who have high motors. So any Gamecock DBs or linebackers that go up against those guys, that is going to be an absolute dogfight in terms of trying to win that one-on-one in run blocking, especially against Ben Brezhnehan. So you're going to have to bring your lunch pails, I like to say, in this game against these tight ends for the Commodores. Now their weak link is probably their offensive line. Left guard Ben Cox is someone that can really be blown off the line of scrimmage at times. So if you're Zach Pickens, this ought to be a week where you have some opportunities to maybe get to the quarterback plenty of times in the game. And they're also not the best in terms of pass blocking. Right tackle Bradley Ashmore, Jacob Brammer, and left tackle Junior Yuzabu. All three of these guys are probably subpar pass blockers to say the least. And there's some other guys in this offensive line unit as well that are not consistent enough in this regard, which explains why they try to run the ball probably a decent amount. And when they do try to throw the football, they don't spend too much time asking AJ Swan to just sit back there in the pocket for like five, 10 seconds to wait for someone to break open. So that's pretty much what to expect out of this Vanderbilt offense. Now, in a few moments, we're going to change gears and we're going to talk about some movement for one former Gamecock who is currently in the NFL. What happened with him near the end of the trade deadline? But before we get into all of that, I'm sure all of y'all know that Auburn has officially moved on from head coach Brian Harson. They are currently now searching for the next head man of the Auburn Tigers football program. And Ben Online has released some odds for who the next Auburn football coach could be. Hugh Freeze is listed with odds at plus 250. Lane Kiffin, who a lot of people think could end up going to Auburn, is listed with odds of plus 275. Deion Sanders is another name that's been thrown out there a lot. His odds are listed at plus 700, a lot higher than some of these other guys. And the leading candidate, according to Bet Online right now, for Auburn's head coaching position is Baylor Offensive Coordinator Jeff Grimes at plus 100. Would definitely be an interesting hire in my eyes. And if you want a number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season, you should go check out Bet Online, where you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and analysis on every game that you could possibly imagine, because they're your continued source for all of your sport wagering information, with live betting and up-to-the-minute score updates for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events including the Major League Baseball postseason, where the Philadelphia Phillies smoked the Houston Astros 7-0 in Game 3 of the World Series, taking a 2-1 series lead. You've also got mixed martial arts, boxing, and golf. So head on over to BetOnline on your personal computer or use your mobile device to learn more, because BetOnline 
is where the game starts. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so we've talked about Jaheim Bell and the ongoing situation with him. We've talked about how the Gamecocks could attack Vanderbilt's offense on Saturday night. Now, let's talk about some news from the NFL ranks. As former Gamecock defensive back Rashad Fenton has been traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the NFC South's Atlanta Falcons. Now, Rashad Fenton was traded for a conditional 2023 seventh round draft pick. And this comes after Rashad Fenton has been with the Kansas City Chiefs for the last four seasons. He was drafted in the sixth round of the 2019 NFL Draft. And, of course, when you're a fifth, sixth, or seventh round draft pick, as many people know who follow the NFL, you are not a guarantee to be on the main roster. Most guys in those rounds are pretty much good value picks to probably be on the practice squad more than likely. Of course, you do have a few that manage to get on the main roster and some who end up being meaningful contributors and Rashad Fenton has been that for the Kansas City Chiefs for the last four years but he has been battling some injuries this season and according to NFL insider Field Yates of ESPN apparently a big reason why the Chiefs made this move was because they've got a couple of rookie cornerbacks on their team right now who have shown a lot of progress this season apparently have been doing so well that Rashad Fenton was removed from the Chiefs starting lineup one or two weeks ago now I by no means think that this is, of course, the end of Rashad Fenton's NFL career. Again, he's got a lot of value in the sense that he's been in the league four or five years now, so he's got some veteran experience that he brings to any team that he's going to at this point, and he brings starter experience. And Rashad Fenton has always been a decent athlete, and, you know, no matter what you say about Will Muschamp and what all happened during his tenure here South Carolina had some pretty solid defensive back play, and Rashad Fenton was one of those defensive backs. Yes, he could be a little bit grabby at times and get a lot of penalties during a game because of that, but you know, you need to have that kind of aggressive mentality if you're going to make it in the NFL for this long, and Rashad Fenton has done just that. So, I don't know if it's a guarantee he's going to be a starter for the Atlanta Falcons based on, again, what they traded him for. But at the very minimum, he's going to be solid depth for that secondary. And either way, it's good to see that Rashad Fenton has carved out a decent career for himself so far in the NFL. So wanted to just give you all that quick update because I know that y'all like to keep up with how former Gamecocks are doing in the professional ranks. I'm going to try to probably do that a little bit more as the season progresses and maybe we get into near the NFL playoffs and college football's season is nearing a close. But that is going to do it for today's show, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all enjoyed today's show. What are y'all's thoughts on the ongoing situation with Jaheim Bell? But more specifically, what are y'all's thoughts on his comments from his press conference and what Shane Beamer said in response to his comments? How do you think the Gamecocks should attack Vanderbilt's offense? Do you think that Clayton White just needs to go all out and be aggressive with his blitzes? Or do you think that they should force Vanderbilt to try and methodically move their way down the football field? And what are your thoughts about Rashad Fenton going to the Atlanta Falcons? Some of y'all might be happy hearing that news that now you got a former Gamecock 
on your professional football team. If you're me, that's a Carolina Panthers fan, you might not be as thrilled about that news. But either way, I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts on all of these situations down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. And as always, you can send me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app. And once again, I want to thank y'all for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch every day. Now, for your next listen, check out Locked On Sports today, where the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place. The Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. But once again, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that you all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will catch y'all on our Thursday show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>